Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to the Christmas Around the World mini-series. Now, this idea began with a post that you can find on the Storied Recipe website. The link is right there in the show notes. The post is titled Christmas Desserts Around the World, and it is crowdsourced by uh, a little over 20 members of the Storied Recipe community. So as people wrote in for this post and shared their cherished Christmas recipes, and especially, of course, the memories surrounding them, I really wanted to hear more, (laughs) more, more, more. So I decided to expand on a few of these with this series that you're listening to right now. And this year, I have five episodes in the series, Palestine, Alicante, Spain, South Africa, France, and Norway. I really hope that you listen to all of them, and I hope to add even more next year. So when it came to deciding which episode I would release first, of course, we had to begin in Palestine, the very land where Christ was born in Bethlehem. And today, I'm grateful to welcome May back to the podcast. Um, Now, in May's first episode, titled Honoring the Women of Palestine, we learned about her very humble, strong, and inspiring Tata, her grandmother. And today, we get to hear even more about this amazing woman, but we also get to learn more about May's Auntie Ida and other women in May's life who brought her to many special church events, brought her to wreath decorating competitions, taught her about making her own wine, preparing Palestinian Christmas feasts, and took her to the very, very famous Nativity Church in Manger Square in Bethlehem. May also talks about, and this is important, she also talks about Christmas celebrations um, in Ramallah, where the Muslim-majority government graciously hosts cultural Christmas celebrations every year as a way to promote Palestinian unity. So we're going to hear lots and lots from May. I can't possibly sum it up in an introduction. I'm just going to turn it over to her. I'm so thankful that she's here today. I'm thankful that you are here to listen. Hey, May, how are you? Hey, 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 how are you? I am good. I'm so happy to be talking with you again. Hey, listen, we could do this whenever you want. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's my favorite time in Palestine. And actually thinking about it when you sent me the questions yesterday made me want to go. I haven't been home during Christmas time for years and years and really made me long even further to kind of like be there during that time of the year. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. you go during the summer. I go during summer because I don't have enough vacation days with my children to go in the winter time. I mean, I'm paying all this money. I'm not going to go for 10 days or a week. It's it's (laughs) barely enough to get over the jet lag and drive my mother nuts. I see, I, I, uh, it's almost like now I'm starting to answer your questions. Here we go. Mm. Um, the story, the Christmas scene had changed through times. And I, you know, when I lived in Palestine, when I was born and raised there, those first, you know, 18 years of my life, or mm. actually maybe 21 years of my life, it's a it change and over the years. And it kind of brings me in a way, a little more joy. Um, oh, and really? that makes me want to go back and be there. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you did, like, let's just say in two months, it's, it's October 24th. Yeah when we're doing this. So let's say you landed in Christmas on Christmas Eve in Palestine in two months. What would you go? Okay, let's do uh, let's imagine it. Walk me through it. Yes. Okay. If I would go to Palestine in two months and land, actually the preparations for Christmas 
start long before the weekend, the weekend mm. before Christmas or Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So there will be lots of preparation starting with the tree lighting uh, in uh, in the manger square in Bethlehem. So that's a huge event that actually marks all the holidays. And it's a sign to light up all the trees across the big cities in Palestine, which is a scene, honestly, that brings me pure, pure joy mm-hmm. to see this gigantic tree in the in the middle of the Saha. We call it Sahat al-Mahad, the Nativity Church, right into the that square. They light the wall, the the tree, and people from all over, uh, uh, whoever can, obviously, based on permissions and based who lives mm. where and checkpoints and curfews and all that stuff. But the, it, it's a filled town at that moment, and there's choirs uh, usually from all over Palestine. There's choirs, international choirs that come and perform at Manger Square. So it's a, it's a really quite an event. Oh. Um, Yes, that that marks the beginning of Christmas season, which actually is the Advent. So it's the beginning mm-hmm. of Advent season. So does that happen? Does that happen four weeks before? Like when does when does Advent begin? I don't I don't know exactly when the church lights up because that's the Catholic Church that lights uh, up the candle. Yeah. and Catholic is uh, uh, the well. There is a lot of, there's two Christmases in Palestine, maybe, mm. maybe three even, between all the denominations. But the, if I grew up in the Anglican church. So mm. the Protestant, uh, the Protestant, the way I grew up is that we would celebrate the Advent beginning of December. So every weekend, it would be a weekend of uh, leading up to Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So yes, the, my guess is the Christmas tree lit, lights up the first week. Well, if it's Catholic, they definitely do the four Sundays before. So whenever, if Christmas is Monday through Saturday, yeah, then you would start the Sunday before and count back four and that's when they would begin. So my guess, we can get a confirmation on the date, but my guess Mm. it's the first week of Christmas, uh, of Christmas season, uh, Advent is when they light up the the tree in in Bethlehem. Um, And that's, that's also... Uh, in year in recent years, there has been a church lighting in big cities all over Palestine, like mm. Ramallah. Ramallah, Christmas in Ramallah is the place to be. I'm mm. telling oh, you, really, it's, more so than in yes, Bethlehem. More so than Bethlehem. It oh, is, is it's considered the center, um, oh. the center hub of uh, all the villages nearby, all of all the mm. cities. And obviously, these ceremonial they do have some kind of spiritual significance, but it's very, very culturally, mm. um, very cultural. So all mm. the communities, Muslims and Christians, come out to celebrate the tree lighting. And uh, in fact, the tree lighting in Bethlehem is done by the church, but the, and the municipality. But in Ramallah, it's done by the municipality. So a lot of Muslims put on this effort to put on the tree and do the the tree lighting. Wow, that is amazing. That is it just is significant. Amazing. It is it's beautiful. Wow. And and the weather. You asked me about the weather. Well, it's winter time in Palestine, mm-hmm. or actually the end of yeah, it's winter time, beginning of winter, end of fall. Mm-hmm. Seasons have. I mean, it's it's a mild winter usually mm-hmm. in Palestine. We've seen it. You know where where thanks to global warming. I mean, you would have some cold winters. You would have some mm-hmm. snow at some point. Um, but it is. I mean, it's the weather is usually pretty decent. I mean, mm-hmm. you can with a jacket, maybe gloves. Sometimes you can mm-hmm. get around. So would it be kind of like San Francisco here in the U.S.? Kind of, kind of like San Diego, San Francisco. Mm, yep, more like okay. San Diego, I would say. More, okay, okay, more now, like San Diego. Maybe a little bit colder. Actually, it depends where in Palestine. Okay, but it, it could be a little bit colder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now down to probably forty degrees. Oh, um, I would night. say that would be a good winter. Um, good winter. Okay, forty degrees during the day. During the day, yes. Oh wow. Okay, so it could be so, colder at night. Yeah, really, quite cool. So, what kind of what kind of tree is it that there is it? It's not an evergreen tree. 
It's an, an, you know what? I have no idea. I I think it is actually, Becky. I think it is an evergreen. But I remember as a child, we would get uh, evergreen trees in our homes. Um, Really? Also, due to the intifada when I was little, we couldn't really access a lot of trees. So we would do, we started doing artificial. This way we can hide them and nobody, you know, um, we can hide them. Not in the, like during the intifada, you couldn't really put the tree in front of the house and do lighting. It was all like, uh, spiritual celebrations and it was kind of like you know the light on christmas was kind of dimmed at that time aha uh-huh. and this is okay and this, this is, is when i was in palestine during the first and the second intifadas i see i see any so religious observation any religious observation yeah, i mean they down? would do they would do the christmas eve the, the mass uh will mm-hmm. go on the all that stuff but a lot of the festivities won't take place I, in fact mm. growing up during the first intifada that's when i rem- vividly remember christmas mm. is we didn't really have a uh, tree lighting in bethlehem it was not mm. something because the country was mourning over our you know people who are dying yeah. you know yeah. all the all the things that were taking place because of the right. israeli occupation so uh, very often uh the the cele- celebrations were canceled right Okay. And they would take place in a private, you know, privately in your yes. home. Um, but even secretly, more so even secret, privately, even secretly, secretly. Like my father oh. would not put the Christmas tree where anybody can see it. It would be like a small Christmas tree in our bedroom just for us as little children. Isn't that incredible? That is just, yeah. every time I talk to you, it just, it's, it's, it, it washes but every I manual. always say, you know, that, that, that Christmas uh, uh, book, uh, the children's book where the, you know, what is it called? The uh, Christmas Carol? Not mm-hmm. Christmas Carol. Yes. Where the train, the train. Oh, the Polar Express? Polar Express. You know how he had the little bell and he said the bell rings for all those who can hear um, or believe. And for me as a child, I always envision, regardless whether the Christmas tree was up or not, I always, you know, in my in my imagination, it was always up and the, the lights were always, in my imagination, they were everywhere. Amazing. Oh, that's amazing. I think there probably is nowhere spe- more special in the world to celebrate Christmas than in Palestine where the birth of Christ occurred in Bethlehem. Do they think that they, you know, this church, this Catholic church um, in Nativity, you said it's called Nativity Square? The Nativity, the Nativity Church outside of where the, the activities take place. It's in the Nativity Square. Okay. Um, so it's, which is right outside um, uh, the manger square, they call it, which is right outside the church doors. Okay, so do they do they think yeah. that they have any idea where this inn was, where Christ was born? Or are they guessing? How did they I mean, choose the location? It's just uh, by tradition. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, I think history. I mean, nothing is done because of traditions. A lot of mm. a lot of investigation, a lot of history, a lot of mm. um, archaeology goes into finding the locations where things took place. Um, mm. I'm not sure of the, the definite uh, uh, idea of the place, but that's where they believe. And you would see. I mean, the church is as old as it was. I mean, there is a little bit of remodeling happening because the church is thousands of years old. Mm. So you would see a little bit, but I mean that 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 humbleness. And the door entering the Nativity Church is literally uh, a square. I want to say probably four feet by four feet by three feet, if not shorter. Oh, um, and I, the reason, okay. they, yeah, it's a tiny, tiny door, and there—that's a reason all the celebrations take place outside of the church, except Christmas Eve. 
mass that takes place inside the church. And I'll tell you more, a little bit more about that. Um, but the the tree lighting happens in the right outside the that little door. It's called the manger square. And they put the big tree up. And often there's a big stage for groups from all around uh, Palestine and international groups that would come singing Christmas carols uh, during the Advent season. And Amazing. plays take place there. Um, on the stage as well and people gather it's such a beautiful scene i i would love to send you some pictures to add to whatever it is you're um, oh yes doing um and you know right across from that that square there's little cellars that would usually carry carts of corn or whatever's in season chestnuts and roasting them and selling them right outside of the, all these festivities there's a lot of lights everywhere the municipality is down the street and a mosque is right across the street it is a beautiful scene it really is. That's amazing. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah, I feel like I just want to sit and imagine it for a moment. <laughs> I wish I sent you the pictures prior. This way, you can actually envision it. With oh. you, but it is. It does it feel? This... Does it feel like? I mean, this is such a dramatic word. Does it feel like holy ground when you're there? You know, when I was, um, I'm going to be honest, when I was younger, I took it for granted. It's something we did all the time. It's my, you know, my aunt lived on the outskirts of Bethlehem um, by the by the refugee camp. And it was, you know, we would go there all the time. So you take things for granted, but it mm-hmm. wasn't until I left home that I understood the significance of what mm-hmm. we have at home. I mean, people who live in Palestine, who live in the, in the, in Bethlehem, of course, they understand the value of, mm-hmm. uh, and the importance and the significance of this holy place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, everywhere you go into the church, there's silence, there's a uh, little, you know, you can light candles, um, you can't be loud. It's not, it's a very, very humble, I mean, you you feel humbled walking into something so grand and so, mm-hmm. so old. Mm-hmm. So old. Whether you're, I mean, actually, it's funny. This past, not funny, but this past trip um, in the summer when I took the girls um, into the nativity scene, uh, a Muslim family walked in to visit uh, mm. the manger where Jesus believed, to, you know, that they laid Jesus. Uh, Jesus was born, um, and they. My dad is, you know, he uh, he's really he knows a lot about um, historical locations and his, mm-hmm. you know, significance of it and stuff like that. So he went talking to this man and his family for probably forty five minutes, explaining mm-hmm. why we believe there. This is where Jesus was born, and you know the significance of this place. And it's beautiful because people from all faiths, all religions, all religions are welcome into um, into the the church. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful, man! I want to go there so badly. You know, I've I've kind I of I feel like I do. I feel like the desire to um go with John, you know, has been growing. I, and honestly, wow. I definitely feel like talking to you really uh, lit a fire. But to go oh. at Christmas time, oh, how amazing! How, how amazing would that be? Mm. There, there is a there's a huge sense of uh, community. Um, there's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, aside from the the obvious, which is the spiritual significance of the location of Bethlehem and why these events take place there, just to see the community come out together. I mean, the Christians mm-hmm. are the very, very minority in Palestine. I don't mm-hmm. even think we make two percent of the population. Mm. So this this Christian minority is really celebrated. And you know, during times like Christmas, it's so beautiful to know that uh that the our community, Muslim the Muslim community acknowledges the people who are part of this land, part of the history of this land. Um 
and just a beautiful thing to see people from all over just kind of mm. you know get out and do the celebrations there's a lot of parades that happen leading up to christmas uh we call it in arabic which is the scouts and mm. the scouts kind of roam the streets they they go on a march with their drums and um um it's it, i mean each church or each community has their own scouts troops mm. and they all go marching in order until they get to the major square to the nativity church it's such a beautiful and powerful scene the music is so loud that you, the drums they the way they they i don't know not pound uh hit the drum i mean you can mm. hear it from so far and the the location of Bethlehem it's on a hill i mean and you can see uh, you can it's like it's almost like it echoes through the the villages and mm. the towns are surrounding Bethlehem which is Beit Sahur Beit Jala um and others uh it's such a it's such a significant um time of the year i think mm. Mm. the music is it uh like I think of the traditional Christmas carols that we sing Absolutely. and they're all European. Yep. Are they that or are they more like a Palestinian? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's Palestinian types on, of music. Yeah. Tell me about that. It depends on the congregation. It depends mm. on the congregation. For example, like my Protestant church is very much like the hymns we sing at the Catholic church here. Mm. It's or uh, the Lutheran churches. It's very, mm. very similar, except they are sung in Arabic. Um, there are um, composers and you know, songwriters that have done music um in the past um you know they've written their own music with their own middle east uh middle eastern or arabic instruments mm -hmm. so there is that but there's also the very traditional i mean uh um which is silent night um all these mm -hmm. songs in fact i had such a hard time when i first moved to the u.s singing them in english i had no idea what what the words were but it mm -hmm. wasn't really hard to follow along because i would sing in him in arabic and it was mm -hmm. really nice um it felt you know when i go to a church it felt like home it's very universal with the music yes mm -hmm. so yeah a mm -hmm. lot of uh, a lot of uh traditional hymns are sung but also mm -hmm. you get choirs younger choirs different choirs uh uh international choirs that sing in their own languages as well and so are choirs from all around uh the west bank mm, okay yeah when you talk about um the celebrations in Ramallah and that these are actually run by the municipality, which is mostly Absolutely, yeah. Muslim. And um exactly. Yes. And you said that the um celebrations are less religious and more cultural. Like in what ways do you celebrate the culture um at a at a Christmas in when Ramallah? I say cult yeah, and, and what I mean by by culture, um, mm. it, it means that the whole community is welcome to come out. These are not events that are designed just for the Christian community. Mm -hmm. These are events done by the municipality. In fact, they throw this big giant party prior to the tree lighting. The municipality throws and they even pass out wine and liquor to the Christian families. It's really beautiful to be acknowledged by the community, um, by the, you know, and the significance that Palestinian mm. Arabs, uh, Palestinian Christians, um, the significance of Palestinian Christians in the land. So mm -hmm. what I mean culture is that everyone is welcome. These things take place. Um, the tree lighting in Ramallah is a big, big, giant festival. In fact, there's not one tree. There's many trees in Ramallah. Mm -hmm. And I would, well, I think a little bit is turning a little bit into a commercial side, which is also, <laughs> it's, it's also good for the economy. It's a good reason for people to show mm -hmm. up there. 
crafts and, um, you know, um, recipes and desserts. And, uh, you know, and you, it's evident all over the city of Ramallah. In mm. fact, my mother was telling me about um, a bazaar that takes place in Ramallah every single year for Christmas. It's called chocolate and coffee. Um, oh. And vendors, uh, whether uh, nonprofit organizations or companies, uh, they would come and display all their goods, whether it's handmade goods, uh, handmade, you know, homemade jams and uh, mm. desserts and uh, crafts and companies are, you know, showing up new products that they're selling. Yes. They come, the whole town comes out for these events. Yeah. Um, it's like the famous Christmas time, yeah. markets. Exactly. So this has yeah. been taken place. This is not something I witnessed as I, as a, as a teenager. Oh, um, there cool. was no, it wasn't, I mean, it was when I was a child, but then as the intifada, you know, Mm-hmm. There was an intifada and occupation and so on. These things weren't uh, weren't done anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's so beautiful to see them uh, come back. And, you know, it just shows you that people want life. People want mm-hmm. peace. They want to live. They want to have joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things are a good sign. I, to me, they're a good sign of hope. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So when you walk around, so again, so to speak more to the commercial nature of it, when you walk around, would you see other signs? You know, would you see, um, like here in the U.S., of course, if you go into a Costco, you see decorations. You now. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you go to McDonald's, you see an eggnog shake. I mean, there's nowhere you go and don't see a sign of Christmas, mainly because, like you said, it's a commercial opportunity. If you're walking around Palestine, um, especially Bethlehem or Ramallah, are you going to see, you know, special things in bakeries? Are you going to see lights out? Are you going to see decorations in front of people's homes? Or um, do you really have to go to these special places to see some of these signs? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And this is what I mean by cultural. It's almost Mm. like it becomes, it's like a reason to celebrate. So everybody starts doing this. And it's it's not a major city. I can't say every city in Palestine or village in Palestine. There's There's some Christian uh, Christian-dominated villages in Palestine. Mm. Also, you will see a lot of that. But also, Ramallah is huge. Bethlehem is huge. Um, uh, different parts. Also, northern Palestine, like in Nazareth, the same thing. You know, it's as significant as it is in Bethlehem. Mm. So there's a lot of, yes, it is super evident that if you would go to Ramallah or to Bethlehem or to Nazareth, that you would see signs of Christmas everywhere. From uh, the music, from the displays on uh, the shop displays, from even restaurants, every restaurant pretty much or coffee shop would have a small, big Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Balconies are now strung with Christmas lights. Um, people uh, during the Antifada, again, we've never done any of that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's almost mm-hmm. like I really want to go and relive all that and soak it all in. Oh, I want that um, for you. And, Yes, I, it's like I want to see that in my own eyes, not just through, you know, mm. what my mother sent me, but the shops. In fact, my mother was doing a trip into Nazareth looking for fabric. She's mm-hmm. working on something and she said he's already doing Christmas fabric and it's, I really? mean, it's October. Yes. So it, there, this is called the preparation period, period leading up to Christmas where the shops start getting all the, the I mean, Christmas Santa, chocolate Santa's are everywhere. Uh, chocolate ornaments uh, are everywhere. Uh, candies, uh, nuts, roasted seeds, drinks, uh, liquor. Uh, you know, it's very, very common to offer shots of liquor when people come to your house. <laughs> Is it uh, Christmas. It, it's not Arak, actually. Oh. It's like, it's almost like Irish cream or things like that. Like, uh, yes. Like um, fruit liqueurs, um, mm. like I and coffee liqueurs, like Irish cream. These are the kind mm. of the type of uh, liquors that would be offered during Christmas time. Anything that's with rum, spiced rum, mm. um, 
So yes, uh, bakeries would take on uh, making cakes specifically for Christmas. Okay. Cookies with uh, with sprinkles are specific for Christmas. So yes, it is yes. an opportunity also to grow the city um, yes. or to rejuvenate the economy of the city yes. as well. Yes, yes, and like you said, just to celebrate something, to be hopeful, to to be hopeful, to be exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yes, I mean it's it's a it's there's there isn't there are signs and I remember the smells in particular. There is something about I mean that's that's again you have to remember I haven't been uh, to Christmas in mm-hmm. Palestine for years and years, but some things just don't leave you. I remember like the week leading up to Christmas, my mom would be so busy like stocking up on all the roasted nuts and seeds, and they would take on mm-hmm. like this. You know, you can the fresh coffee scented with cardamom. Um, mm-hmm. for, you know, we would go. It's like you go to the what do you call that shop? It's a. It's almost like the nut house. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't have something equivalent to it here, but we would sell um, coffee, mm-hmm. nuts, and chocolates. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would be. So these sounds are like heaven. <laughs> it is. These shops are very, very common in Palestine. And every town, every village has their own little shop that sells their, you know, uh, freshly roasted coffee, um, mm. all kinds of seeds, and they'll be displayed in baskets and all kinds of nuts from, you know, scented nuts with cinnamon to just regularly roasted nuts and dry roasted nuts and so forth. And then a ton of options for chocolate, all kinds of colors, all kinds of shapes. And Easter now, same thing. Mm-hmm. You would see bunnies and eggs and so forth. And Christmas time, I still remember one of my favorite things to get, and I still do it to my children. Although some of them, they're like, Mom, no chocolate this year. I don't. I still get it. <laughs> I get them later. I make some fondue or something. <laughs> but <laughs> the percentage will melt. But um, the chocolate, my aunt Aida was so famous for her cho- chocolate little goodie bag. And it was it was often German chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're locally made now, but um, the, it was like Santa's and a couple ornaments put in a pouch with a with a gold bow. That was it. That was Christmas. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get socks too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a joke in Palestine. You get socks. <laughs> well, yes. How about that? How about, yeah, let's talk about your family a little bit. I want to ask, did, did you guys get presents? Was it a big deal? But I'll ask a more general question, which is, what did Christmas mean to you as a family? Absolutely. So um, I did grow up in a Christian family. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents aren't super religious. So mm-hmm. that was always, I was always, I was, my relationship with the church was always by my grandfather and my aunt Aida, aunt Aida mm-hmm. who's my dad's, uh, my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, they lived above us and she was in charge of taking us to church all the time. So we, we, <laughs> we developed a habit to go to church and we grew up in Lutheran schools. So, mm-hmm. I mean, church was part of the routine. You would go to church um, mm-hmm. during the holidays, you'd go to church every Sunday. We did Sunday school and all that stuff. So Christmas was no exception. Um, Christmas was no exception. In fact, I loved it so much that I even joined the church choir, the school choir. Um, wow. So it was a big deal. I participated in the, the church play. Uh, I would read the, um, I definitely would read or carry candles. Mm. Um, I, again, I grew up in an Anglican church, so we would carry candles going down or the cross and march down the aisle in the, in the church. My church was in Jerusalem on the outside of the old city, right outside Incredible. the old city. Uh, yeah, and we, um, so I would participate in all these events, whether it's, whether it's like, a, you know, hymn reading, a Bible reading, a verse reading, carry the candles, carry the cross, sing in, in the choir. Um, and when I was younger, I would do the, the children choir, children's choir. When I was older, I joined, uh, you know, as a teenager, later on in my, wow. you know, I would join the, the adult choir. I didn't know music place. was such a part of your life. Like, you know, I, I know mean, that I cooking mean, is, but I didn't know that music was. This is nice. I mean, it's just a nice thing to know about you personally. 
Becky, I didn't say I was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mary, stop. <laughs> no, 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 Becky, I'm not joking. I, I, <laughs> but it was meaningful have, to you. It was meaningful. I, yes, I, I did not make it to play any instrument fully. <laughs> I mean, due to many factors, we're not going to go down that road. Due to many, many things. I mean, I would start on piano lessons, and the father broke. We couldn't make lessons. I tried started with the flute. That didn't work. Trumpet. That didn't work. It's almost like. Remember in my the first conversation we had, what's your hobbies? I didn't have time. To, we didn't have chances to think right. of hobbies, but the times we had, the things that were associated with the church, those were those were significant. And those were mm. things that always took place. Whether there's an intifada or not, we always went to church Christmas mm. Eve. We always sang at church. So these things, regardless of the situation, took place mm. from a spiritual uh, perspective. So I was able to join um, these things and they brought so much joy to me. And um, um you know, growing up. And um, yeah, so from that perspective, we would go to church every Advent. My my church was, um, my church was amazing during Christmas. We, uh, I learned uh, from a young age, uh, every Sunday, the church or every Saturday night before Advent, we, um, the first Sunday in December, we would gather, the whole church uh, gathers and we would build a wreath mm-hmm. Um um, from uh, fresh um, evergreens mm-hmm. and the wreath would have the four candles and every Sunday we would light a candle together. So we would light it at the church, but then we also had the, we would take the this uh, wreath to our house and, you know, as a family, we would light uh, a candle every Sunday marking um, um, the Advent um, Sundays leading up to Christmas. Mm. That's so that was that, that you was would a build tradition. the wreath together at church yes as a church community we always got together i know i remember they used to buy falafel sandwiches mm. for everybody if i remember correctly i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it was falafel wow. sandwiches and it was such a fun time because it was a competition among all the women who's gonna build the best race something i didn't understand for later in life but yes oh, it was. that's amazing and you used evergreens do you do you remember we used you- evergreens yeah, oh. we use evergreens and so um, May, where where do evergreens grow in Palestine? I guess there actually there's a lot of evergreens in Palestine. Mm-hmm. Pine there's a lot of pine trees in Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um I mean you have to remember there's a lot of mountains and they grow mm-hmm. all over uh Palestine. So this mm-hmm. is our spine what do you call them? Pine green. Yeah, pine greens. Mm-hmm. 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 These are the evergreens we use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, yeah. I mean, I'm almost like ashamed, really, to be honest with you, with my um my shallow understanding. You know, like my I just goodness. think so hot, so desert, you know what I mean? I shouldn't be so surprised no, to hear about all Palestine these evergreens. Palestine is so green. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of evergreens Becky in Palestine. There's a beautiful. lot of pine trees. Uh the, I don't know all the names, um, significant names of all the trees mm-hmm. that are evergreen, but I mean it's um um uh, and we would use even the pine cones to decorate that wreath mm-hmm. as well. So every part Part of that, you know, they the church would drop off a big container of all these evergreens. I don't know where they used to get them. Maybe floral shop, somebody that would go clip them. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it would come to the church, uh, the hall, and the the community comes together. Children play and try to put together a wreath as a family. It was a, it was a beautiful event. That sounds and till this so day, um, till this day, I I love doing the wreath with my family. Oh, yes. Yeah. So then you would bring that home. And um, now your Aunt Ida brought you to church. Did your parents um, participate in the wreath lighting with you? I hope they'll be listening to this. Um, (laughs) They did. They did for major event. My parents weren't the kind that would go to church every Sunday. So, (laughs) Sorry, mom. 
But if it wasn't for Amdu Aida, we wouldn't be going mm. to church every mm. Sunday. You, we lived um, we lived about 15 miles or 10 to 15 miles away from where the church is, which is on mm. the outskirts of Jerusalem. But with the checkpoint, it would take a lot longer. In fact, actually, sadly, really, really sadly, my aunt Aida, who used to take us to church and was very religious about going and served on different committees of the church, no longer goes to church and uh, mainly because of the checkpoint it is quite impossible for her it takes so Mm -hmm. long she's you know in her early 80s it's so hard for her to grab different taxis to try to get from the checkpoint to walking to get off the taxi Mm -hmm. get up another taxi i mean if the church starts at 9 30 she would have to leave probably at 7 30 to be able to make it on time Mm -hmm. so with years passing it became harder and harder Mm -hmm. for my aunt Ida to go down to church unless my mom drives her Mm-hmm. which you can do a little bit of back roads. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, sadly. So, yeah, my parents didn't really participate in an everyday kind of basis, but they they usually enjoyed coming for the big events, mm-hmm. like, you know, doing the wreath or mm-hmm. church parties or, you know, Christmas Eve, Easter Sunday, all of, mm-hmm. you know, Good Friday, right. these kind right. of activities. So I'm I'm wondering, did they, did they do the wreath with you at home on Sundays? On Sundays, would you guys light a candle together or did your Aunt Ida do that with it, you as well? No, we did that as a family but i can't mm. i can't say that it was a religious activity mm, it was more mm-hmm, of a, mm-hmm. a cultural activity at that point i see, at church, I see. We, yeah at church we would kind of light the candle as a commu- church community uh you know the pastor would pray and then the prayers and the hymns and all that stuff and he would light the candle every sunday um but at home it was um it was yeah i mean you're you're welcome to share a prayer usually but it wasn't mm. anything enforced like in a religious way i see i see i see i did not grow up in a religious or super religious or mm. kind of home like that I um, understand. but a lot of things were celebrated and you know just growing up in a in a lutheran uh school as well we mm, you know right. went to lutheran school from preschool all the way to 12th grade you know you're instilled into you know you start doing things um sure yes yes a little bit differently than you know my yes would. it's just interwoven into the fabric of um of your exactly. of your routines and and life and thinking and I mean um, yeah we were always encouraged to go to church in fact it was my favorite thing to do with my grandfather when I was little he would take us oh. to church on Sundays he would hold our hands and write after church there was a little shop across the street and he would always take my sister and I to buy candy and till this day I remember uh this moment so I mean a lot of things happen out of tradition but they become mm-hmm. significant significant yes. as life goes on Yes, this is so true. This is so true. Now, how about the uh, the opposite end? Well, maybe it's the same in some ways. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, we have the religious celebration, but then there's also, um, we touched on this a little bit, just the consumerism, the materialism that is certainly associated with Christmas in um, at least America. It's one of my biggest yes. pet peeves. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, um, I'm curious what that was like in Palestine. Were presents and the give and take such a big, big thing in Palestine? Or was it really just these little bags that your Aunt Ida would give you? Yeah. No, Christmas presents weren't a thing. Um, in fact, actually, okay, you know, you, my kids might laugh at this one, but your Christmas present, actually, it's almost something you picked oh. to wear on Christmas Day. So you already know what your Christmas gift is. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're going to wear for Christmas Sunday or Christmas Eve. So it wasn't really anything. um, My parents never really, we never really got big presents. My grandfather would probably, or my grandma, either, you know, they would give us maybe like 20, let's say equivalent to $20, Mm. um, maybe. 
Um, Aunt Ida would always give us that chocolate Santa. Uh, sometimes she'll include like PJs and socks, sometimes just socks. Uh, but the, the gifts, it's not something we looked, I mean, it wasn't, I don't remember, it wasn't anything significant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, in fact, my dad, when we were a little bit older, there was a toy shop that opened in Shara Salahaddin, Salahaddin Street, uh, mm-hmm. behind the church. And we <laughs> were shocked when this tradition started, that he would take us to the toy shop and we would pick a Christmas present. Imagine. Oh. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you get. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I mean, people didn't get gifts like we yeah. do. I mean, now it's like you know the children have you know not one, not two, not three, I not know. five, and the uncles and the aunts I and know. the cousins and, and friends yes. exchange gifts and the wine and you know, it's too it much. Really, no, it was too much, and we it, there was not a lot of emphasis. I mean, that's for me growing up. I mean, mm. things have changed a little bit over the years because I know how my sisters now do Christmas, but mm. it's. Um, oh, you know, when I was growing up, the significance of the holiday really took place because of the culture. You know, it was mm-hmm. all these activities leading up to Christmas, the tree lighting, the carols, the, the parades, the scouts, um, the cookies that, you know, you would bake at home and the mm-hmm. few things that you would buy, even chocolates. Like it wasn't something that you would have, like we didn't have a chocolate drawer or a snack drawer right, in our right. house. It, it was truly was a treat. special occasion. It was a treat. Yes, it, it wasn't something. Yes. So yes. it's like, you know, liquor filled chocolates and things like that are things that my parents would buy for Christmas or any mm. special occasion. Mm. So it was always, it felt like a treat. It really felt like a holiday. It really felt like a celebration because you would save up for this day. It wasn't, I mean, you would splurge on this day and that doesn't mean you had the money. Sometimes you, you would um, scramble to, I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, to make it through that yes. week of Christmas. Um, yes. But you raise a good point. Like it's because we live with so much excess that then Christmas has yeah. to be so much more than the excess. It's just um and where, it becomes overwhelmingly too much. Yes. Yeah. 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 Whereas if chocolate is a treat, then you can enjoy chocolate on Christmas and that is enough because it's a treat. Right. <laughs> that is a treat. So yeah, yes. no, it, it wasn't, mm. I mean, it uh, wasn't anything of significance. Even I know one of your questions was about Santa. Santa was Yes, I was going to say without this idea of presents. Yeah. Listen, we had a plastic Santa face mask kind of thing <laughs> in the those house. Those are terrifying. I, I think those know, are terrifying. I love that guy. Oh, Did you? Kid, I loved him. Yes. I those am, masks actually, that people put on are absolutely terrifying to me. I feel like they look like somebody, something somebody would put on if they were going to rob a house and didn't want to be but recognized. this one was so jolly. Becky, I don't Aww. know where my dad got this thing from. It was so jolly. He had pink cheeks, um, blue eyes, rosy nose. I mean, you just love this thing. It was plastic Aww. and i i told this day i told my mom i said if she ever finds it i want it um, and so christmas i mean santa wasn't anything we knew it's not real yeah <laughs> thing it wasn't something like you know we yeah we, uh, we dreamt about him showing up in the middle of the night stalking no stalking stuffers none of that um, he wasn't bringing was, presents he was just like a cheerful guy exactly and in fact actually we were uh there my senior year in college my husband and i got engaged mm-hmm. so we got engaged in palestine during christmas time oh and it was beautiful because it was christmas break we went got engaged it was a small celebration at my parents house but i remember my husband now wanted to impress my little daughter my little sister at the time mm-hmm. zaina was probably I don't remember, maybe eight or eight or 10 years old. And okay. he wanted to impress her. So he made his brother dress up as Santa. I don't know where they found the suit. <laughs> and he came to our house. <laughs> yeah, people, oh, the neighbors gathered. It was a scene. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and he, he showed up with a present for my little sister, Zena. 
And it was so, so adorable at that time because Aww. I mean, you, you didn't um, have Santa's just showing up. Our church mm. did Santa, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of like, it was a greeting. Like he would come and just pass as a, you know, greet you. Maybe mm. he'll give you a little candy or something, but it wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't come carrying presents. Uh, he didn't come from the North Pole. I mean, I'm pretty sure he crossed the damn checkpoint to get to it, but <laughs> not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the magic of Santa. He can get through the checkpoints. I, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's not even Santa can get through them. So it wasn't anything um anything significant. And oh, nowadays I see like my sisters have younger kids. My younger sister Zaina now has her own son and they would their family would gather like a Santa you know, bring a Santa to the house for the kids and stuff. But, you know, it's a little bit more like westernized now mm-hmm. than it was when I was mm-hmm. growing up. Um, there's uh, a little bit more holiday cheer. It's just growing up during the Intifada. It's like it was so much unexpected during that mm-hmm. time that we didn't really, you don't really plan a month mm-hmm. in advance for Christmas celebrations. I and mean, if you did, you might have to take down the Christmas tree if something mm-hmm. t- tragic happened, a massacre, something happened. Mm-hmm. You would have to put your paws over your plans. So, mm-hmm. Everything was I, just so muted. Everything was so muted. And I, I just lived through many, many Christmases um, like that. But nowadays, it's like despite the situation, I mean, unless something major happens, there are, they, it's like, it's almost like we are here, we exist, we want life, we want to celebrate Christmas, this is mm. our right. Mm. Mm. Right, right. We're not going to allow this to be dampened anymore. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Mr. So, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> So then if um, it's almost like, well, what is Christmas Day without the present? So wait, so what were, what first of all, was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day the bigger deal? And then what did those celebrations look like? There's the week before Christmas, the last week of Advent is mm. a preparations week where your every mother would really take the house apart. I always tell my mother, Jesus isn't coming to be born at our house. <laughs> You can ch- relax. I mean, you can go house. right down to Nativity Square. Gosh, this woman would take the house apart. Like, I'm telling you, like Jesus, you know, coming to be born at our house or something. Mm. I said, you know, so cleaning was a huge thing. Everything gets cleaned from the curtains to behind the, the doors, behind the couches, the things nobody will ever see. But it was just, that's how Palestinian mothers are. You know, they, they, they. They show celebration by taking the house apart and cleaning mm. everything and, mm-hmm. you know, preparing the glassware and preparing all the stuff um, for for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Um, so the, the week leading up to Christmas is a lot of house preparation. You know, if you didn't put, if you're like my parents, slackers, you put the Christmas tree last week um, or Christmas Eve <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we would always, I mean, it was, it was a lot of preparations like that. My mom was famous for her, um, but she called them kuchen cookies and we could talk about those a little bit too but she was famous for those spice cookies so she would make those for christmas mom didn't cook much during christmas she was the baker because Mm -hmm. my grandmother was in charge of christmas um it's usually the way families um and yes a lot of the shopping takes place that week and what i mean by shopping the holiday is very much focused on food and family Mm -hmm. and church so you would go to Christmas Eve mass, you would do, uh, you do the choir in Bethlehem or whatever. Um, so that's a big significant part of the of Christmas. And mm-hmm. then it's family, and then it's uh, family and food. So mm-hmm. this is the, you know, this is what, and I think it's kind of universal, except there's a little bit more, a lot more commercialism around us here in the United States than it is in Palestine. Um, so um, 
Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, it's a toss between, depending on the family. For my family, it was Christmas Day. Mm. So Christmas Eve, we would go to the church and then you would have, a lot of people would be fasting on Christmas Eve. So you won't have oh. significant amount of, um, uh, some people fast, my family didn't fast, but, mm. or not fast, like give up meat products mm. and dairy. So a lot mm. of people would eat falafel and hummus and like things like that mm. after church. And it'd be like late service. So they would just go to the bakery, which is open really late. And they would pick up falafel and kayak and Jerusalem mm. kayak and, uh, you know, eat, eat like that late at night. Uh, mm. The next day would be the feast. And mm-hmm. usually uh, in families, the oldest, um, the oldest in the family would host Christmas. So I in see. my case, it was always my grandparents' house. I see. Um, yes. Yeah, so we always had Christmas. That they, I will never forget uh, the table settings at my grandmother's house. They were yes. so long. Everyone was so welcome at Tata's house. Um, Amto was the queen of setting the table. She would have placemats. She would have uh, two plates, one for soup. Tata's eight soup. Um, we call it eight uh, or holiday soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bowl for soup, a bowl of the entree, uh, and you know, beautiful uh, napkins with gold and all mm-hmm. kinds of beautiful things that Amto would display on her table, long tables. And we, nobody has that long of a table, but she would put like the main dining room table and next to it, the line two other yeah. tables. <laughs> yes, yeah. and it was like mismatched chairs from all yes. over the house. And yes. the kids sometimes had to eat in the kitchen because we yes. are secondhand citizens. So <laughs> therefore, there's no room at the adult table. You move to the kitchen, and yes. I was so proud that year I made it to the adult table. Oh. Oh, yes, there is no rite of passage like going to sit at the adult table. Yes, and when you make it to the adult table, Tata would let us have some some liquor, like a tiny tiny sip of her liquor. So that was was also a big deal. Um, Tata also made her own wine at times. It wasn't a habit. It was sometimes she would make her own wine. It was strong. Let me tell you, you don't know how made wine is strong (laughs) until you drink it. I mean, (laughs) mean, (laughs) this thing is definitely fermented. So, um, what about the yeah. feast? What was a Palestinian Christmas feast like? You know, um, we, uh, it's funny because I asked my sister today, I said, what do you guys eat now? And she said, barbecue. I said, what? Barbecue. Barbecue. So, yeah. She lives in, in Nazareth and the weather is usually warmer. So Christmas Eve, she would always barbecue her and her whole entire husband's family. And then Christmas day, they would do like the traditional uh, Christmas. Now, what does and barbecue my, mean? That doesn't mean like red oh, sauce, like mission barbecue. No, no, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. Barbecue means mashawi, which is grilling food, like yes. grilled chicken, grilled lamb, grilled oh. chops, grilled, grilled, mm. grilled, that kind of food. So we call it barbecue. Mm. Um, and hot or shine, I mean, um, shine or rain, they will do barbecue. Mm-hmm. But in my family, it was uh, Christmas Day. It was any usually a stuffed uh, stuffed chicken or stuffed wow. lamb, leg of lamb with wow. jeweled rice that's often made with meat, lots of nuts, and uh, sometimes dried fruits, yeah. uh, salads, and appetizers like mezza, like baba ghanouj, always mm-hmm. hummus, all, you know, two to three kinds of salad. There's mm-hmm. always arak, which is... Uh, licorice uh, scented mm-hmm. liqueur um um anise i'm sorry not licorice anise scented liquor mm-hmm. uh, there's always wine um um mm. oh and pastries lots mm. of pastries because these things and when i mean by pastries i'm talking about savory pastries those are those usually require a whole amount of preparation so the week leading up to christmas this is when tata and mom mom and 
you know, the women in the family, they would make spiha, which is uh, mm-hmm. meat pies, individual mm-hmm. meat pies that are kind of handheld meat pies. They mm-hmm. would do tri- uh, spinach triangles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would do sambusik, which is also like a crispy dough filled with pine nuts, mincemeat, mm-hmm. and onions mm-hmm. with lots of spices. So these kind of dainty things that are usually reserved for kind of like celebrations. And there's um, so eating. much work. There's so much work. And uh, so those will, you will see them often pop up on a Christmas table or a celebration. Also, mm-hmm. kibbe, which is uh, bulgur, mm-hmm. bulgur mixed together with minced meat, stuffed with minced meat and onions and spices. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of like things that are require a lot of preparations are usually reserved for celebrations and big events like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were you part of the preparations there? Would you join in with the cooking? You know, Mm. You don't. Rem- uh, no, you don't have no, memories of no. it. I don't have memories of cooking with Tata. Tata was um, she during the when she has a lot of people coming over. She liked to work on her own. She didn't like mm-hmm. a lot of kids running around through her kitchen. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, she didn't even like us doing the dishes. She didn't like anybody mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah, she just um, yeah. So, yeah, she she was one of those. Amto and Tata would take charge. I remember my mother would help a lot with the Christmas preparations. Um, not so much, not so much with those, maybe like the pastries leading up to Christmas, but Christmas Eve, she would be busy cooking on her own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all the cousins and, you know, would be just running through the house, um, through the yard in and out with food. It was just something to be savored for a long while. I mean, it was, the table would be filled with all kinds of dishes and it would be really savored for a few hours. Mm. Mm. What about the yeah, desserts? I, the desserts. Um, so it's it wasn't. It's not like there's a dessert table like we would mm-hmm. do here. I mean, there's cookies. Knafe was always the queen of all desserts. So there's always mm-hmm. whether there's New Year's. I mean, in my Tata's house, it was always for New Year's that she would serve knafe, which is shredded phyllo dough stuffed with kind of like semi-salty cheese that's you know stretchy and drizzled oh. with with uh, sugar syrup and pistachios. It's, uh, but that's always um, that was always reserved for big celebrations. But mm. Christmas in particular, um, there is a lot of uh, like my mom's cookie, the the, the spice cookie, mm-hmm. um, and then it's filled with spices, um, uh, warm spices like nutmeg, cinnamon, cardamom, mm-hmm. uh, cloves, and filled with dried fruits and walnuts, and I think rum as well. Mm. Rum cakes are pretty popular among Christian families, mm. so you'll see a lot of families will you know, take a few days to kind of, you know, soak a rum cake. Um, and that's a few day production. Uh, so rum cakes were a thing, uh, cookies, um, also which is the recipe I shared. Um, yes. So, and baklavas, obviously, and chocolates. I I was wondering if you were going to say that (laughs) now. So it's interesting to me that you chose to share the Greba cookies, even though your mom was famous for the spiced cookies. So why did you choose these? Okay, I'm going to be honest well, with you. I didn't think this is going to lead to an interview. <laughs> so when I <laughs> so let's have mom is not mad at me. <laughs> but <laughs> well, you know why? Maybe because it took me a few years begging her to find the recipe. Um, You've given uh, up no, those two recipes. <laughs> she did. I actually made it. I think two years ago. I finally put it on my blog. It's a beautiful, beautiful. The, we'll talk about my mom's recipe first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called kuchen. Um, and I'm guessing this is not, don't take my word for it. But um, when I was doing some research on this cookie, it comes from the German cookie. So I grew up in German um, in Lutheran schools. My aunt Ida was also a teacher 
and a secretary at the school I attended up to uh, eighth, eighth grade. Um, there was a lot of German influence in that school because of you know the Lutheran nature. There was German teachers right. that would come in Lutheran. and out of the school. Got it. Yes. Exactly. And there was a lot of groups and tourists and people that would come in and out, teach, you know. So with that come a lot of food exchange and a lot of community building. So I'm guessing this cookie is bypassed all that. It came through um, this kind of these kind of relationships from, you know, the Germans. Because uh, when I researched the cookie, it has no Arab significance. It's, it's, a, it's a spice cookie that's very close to a German cookie. So this is my, you know, this is the best way I can come up why this cookie and it's not my mom's cookie it's it's a cookie that's kind of popular actually in palestine in fact the arabic name became the rock god knows why it's the rock really well it so, does the sound like sahra. it's called okay. the sahra. sahra means rock and i think the reason is because it's um free formed it's not when you bake it oh it's, it's not like, like a, a chocolate cookie. chip cookie it's like a drop cookie and when ah. you bake it it doesn't spread like a chocolate chip cookie it kind of holds its shape and it kind of whatever shape it's it's you you know dolloped it that's the shape it takes okay and i mean it's stuffed with a lot of things so i can s- yes okay and now it's these- a dry cookie so it, that's why maybe it's called the rock or sahra uh, because it's it's a dry cookie i mean it's almost like a biscotti in a cookie form Interesting. Interesting. Is it's it, a very interesting cookie. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. A biscotti and cookie form. I got you. I'm definitely starting to get the uh, the idea it's of a, this. It's, it's a biscotti idea, maybe a little bit chewier. And a, okay, okay. So you know how biscotti goes? It's double baked cookie. So mm-hmm. it's probably the first bake. Oh, This cookie is equivalent to the first bake of biscotti because it's still soft. And got then it. you slice the biscotti and bake mm-hmm. it again it becomes hardened, right? This yeah. cookie doesn't get that hard. I mean, it's chewy center. It's soft in the center, but it looks kind of like rough around the edges and it's yeah. freeform. It's, it's rustic. Free-form. It's rustic. It's rustic. You gave Thank me a prettier you. one to photograph. <laughs> yes, a rustic. It's a rustic cookie. I okay. will share this cookie um, a picture with you as well so you can understand yes. Yes. what it looks like or what the significance of it is. So anyway, my mother and Amta Aida were famous for this cookie. My guess is my, my mother learned it from Amta Aida. And this is the cookie my mom would bring into the table on Christmas. Now, here's the fun part. I celebrated Christmas twice. Oh. Because in Palestine, the um, uh, the Protestant or the Anglican church, so, or the, yeah, the Protestant church, which is Lutherans and other churches, they and Catholics, they would celebrate on the 24th of December. Oh, now, okay. the Orthodox churches and the Armenian community in Palestine celebrated the first week in January. Yes. So my my mother from my mom mom's side, Teta Musta, um, always celebrated Christmas in in January. So it was a blessing because we would get to spend Christmas at the, at my mom's uh, at my Teta, my uh, Teta, mm-hmm. my mother, my Teta, my dad's mother, who mm-hmm. lived above us on Christmas Day on December twenty uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, December twenty fourth and December twenty fifth, and then leading on. We would, um, weeks later, after New Year's, we would celebrate another Christmas with Teta and Musta and uh, Khal, my uncle, and their families on my mother's side. And that's when Khal Tunahil, my mom's only sister, would bring her famous, she was such an amazing cook, just like my mother. And she has such a great, um, we call it, you know, Arabs call it, they cook with nafas. She is that lady that cooks with nafas. Khal Tunahil is such a beautiful human, mm. inside out. She, what does she that mean? Made, she cooks with heart? What does that mean? She cooks with heart. She cooks with soul. Like everything she mm. makes, everything she touches somehow turns really perfect. 
You follow the What's it called? Type. She cooks with what? What's it called? Nafas. N-A-F-A-S, which means she Nefes. Co- t- literal translation is soul. And these are the people who talked about this when we talked about Teta. Yes. These are the people that they cook with all their senses, whether it's my yes. grandmother's, Nahil, my mother. These are women who cook with everything they have. They they know they know the food is done from the smell. They know mm-hmm. they just know things are right by feeling, touching them. And these are the people they they you feel. You just feel the spirit of their cooking while you're enjoying it. They just make you feel loved and welcomed and nurtured. And Khalto Nahid was one of those. And she would always make us um, her gravy cookies. Okay. Yes. So, and it was that grandmother, your mother's mother, who made the gravy cookies. No, that's my aunt. My aunt on my mother's side. Khalto Nahid, which is my mother's only sister that would make this cookie. Tetas, both of my tetas, um, teta... uh, Usta, my mom's mom, who's Armenian, uh, she would actually make different desserts for Christmas. She would make, um, we had to, uh, I don't know if we talked about the date cookie for Easter, but she would make that a form of that cookie into bars. Mm. And that was her thing for Christmas. She would bake that cookie um, in bars format and it's a date and semolina kind of based. Mm. And that was her thing. But Teta Musta was a, a great cook too. And her di- Christmas, Armenian Christmas dinner, always, always included stuffed lamb with grape leaves. She stuffed the lamb with mm, grape leaves. Really? This woman was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She stuffed the lamb wow. with grape leaves. Yep. Wow. Mm, grape so leaves and then also deep- like rice and all the stuff that you put into grape leaves? Yeah. So the, the yeah. grape leaves always has mincemeat and rice oh. in them. Wow. Wow. So it was kind of like a like a showstopper. Like she'd bring this giant lamb in front of everybody. And the inside of the lamb is stuffed with grape leaves. And of course, that's not enough because the lamb isn't big enough. So she'll make another pot of grape leaves to serve and all other kinds of um, um, wow. other, you know, yeah, sides and sides things like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So these Greba cookies... Um, I, I yeah. know what they look like. I know what they taste like. <laughs> They're delicious. They're beautiful. They're so elegant. But people listening may not. So explain yes. this cookie to um, people listening. Yeah. Irebe in Arabic literally means swoon. And it's something mm. to swoon over. It's such a delicate cookie. It's, it a, is. it's honestly a very simple cookie made out of pipe, just three ingredients and flavoring, mm-hmm. which is ghee, um, ghee butter, flour, and powdered sugar or sugar. And the mm-hmm. flavoring, usually rose water um, or any other flavoring. So it's a very, very delicate cookie. It's almost like the way I would describe it is if a sh- butter um, a shortbread cookie, there is a, sh- a shortbread cookie, there is a butter cookie or mm-hmm. sugar cookie, they would have grebe. <laughs> it, it has like a shortbread kind of idea, but mm-hmm. also melts in your mouth like a sugar cookie does. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost, it's very, it, if you bite it, it's kind of crumbly. Mm-hmm. Um, it holds its shape, but it's, it's and it's not intended to, like we always say, you know, you want caramelization on your cookies or not this one. This mm-hmm. one is intended to be pale, kind of white. Mm-hmm. So this this cookie has a long shelf life because of the ghee and has no other things in it. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's something that you can make and store for a long time. So it is my family Khaltunahil always made it for Christmas, but many celebrations like you know giving birth or mm-hmm. a new oh. baby or other occasions, this cookie can be served for as that well. reason because it keeps because it keeps 
it keeps for such a long time. I mean, this cookie yeah. doesn't expire. There's nothing in it. And ghee has a long uh -huh. shelf life. Okay. Um, and, and the reason we use ghee is because we don't want the butter. The butter burns. It has too right. much. Um, um, exactly. So the, the butter will burn. Too low of a smoke point. Yeah. Exactly. So we use ghee. Although Khalta Nahim told me that she used, she likes to use butter. So, but her recipe is that her cookie is amazing. And mm. uh, these cookies are always dotted with either a pine nut or an almond. That's the, that's the tradition. And oh, okay. for Christmas, they would be shaped into an S resembling yes. Santa. Yes. Yes. for Santa. So this is the and reason drizzled, I, drizzled with white chocolate. Well, this is my touch. That recipe mm. is just, I added that uh, white chocolate touch to it, but traditionally the, the cookie is served just exactly as is. There was, there's nothing to it. It's always uh, decorated with either a pine nut, pistachio. Pine nut is traditional or almond, but some people do pistachio as well. Mm. Mm. Yes. It's such an elegant, elegant cookie and truly delicious. Like you said, it really, you know, what did they used to say about M&Ms melts in your mouth, not in your hands. It almost melts as soon as it touches your mouth. Absolutely. It's like melts in your mouth. And, um, it, it, and again, like Christmas, there's a lot, like I tell you, like there's a lot of sweet liquors that are passed around. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a need for like an indulgence of lots of, lots of things. Mm -hmm. Um, food is takes the center stage and then, you know, desserts could be like that rum cake. I was telling you about that. Lawas, mm -hmm. um, it's assortment of all kinds of batlawas, different stuffing, different nuts. Um, and sometimes some people do, although my grandmother on my dad's side, Teta, always reserved knafe for, for New Year's mm, mm, to mark the okay. New Year. So, yes. But like you said, this is my kind of Christmas meal. The meal was really the, the big deal and the desserts were a little and bit of an afterthought. Like, I don't remember us baking for days and days like we do here mm -hmm. in America. Like, it, you know, you would make one to two cookies and, you know, those are usually the two cookies. Nowadays, everything has, you know, there's, there, you know, like we have access to Pinterest. They do Pinterest and everybody's <laughs> interesting and, and, you know, so there's, there's a lot more to Christmas now and, you know, mm -hmm. we have we have access to the world. So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's been changing over the years, but growing up for me, this was, um, this was how Christmas, even Christmas day and, you know, all the things, all the food associated with it, the drinks and, um, and the desserts. Mm. Well, and I appreciate that you just brought us back to the basics and that community feeling, um, just those images that you've put in my mind. And I can't wait to see the actual literal pictures of celebrating gonna, in Bethlehem. Oh, one beautiful. more thing I wanted to add to, uh, to this, something that was super significant. Uh, and it's, it's something that's culturally done. So Muslim mm. families and Christian families do the same thing um, on big celebrations and big Eids and big holidays, which is visiting one another. This mm. is not emphasized enough in our country here. It is uh, in the United States, in Palestine, uh, if the father usually would visit his children's homes, if they're married, he would go um, and visit every one of his children, even if they're all coming to his house for dinner. So he would bless their home by visiting, um, by visiting. And the younger in the family would also visit all the elderly in the family. And these visits are quick. They're not dinner parties. They're not anything mm. like, you know, they would be like a, a cookie, a chocolate, maybe, and a shot of liquor or coffee or tea. Mm. So it's a quick visit just to kind of be be in the Christmas spirit and pass the greetings around. And I, it's something I truly, truly miss, um, that kind of feel of community and family time during Christmas. And the immediate family usually is who gathers around uh, those holiday tables. So it's your, mm. you know, it was my grandmother and all her kids and her grandkids. 
Um, but the bigger cousins and aunts and uncles and all that stuff, it's like you have the, the celebrations go on for a week. In Palestine, they go on all the way to New Year. So that week between Christmas and New Year is when all the families visit one another. So can I, I just, I, I wonder about this a lot because um, in America, we do not value community as much as other countries do. I mean, that's pretty clear. Um, we might talk about community, but you value what you put your time into. And it's mm -hmm. true. We've become very um, insulated. And uh, how how do you think that people in other cultures, like how do you think people in Palestine are able to keep up this pace of visiting without becoming exhausted? You know what I'm asking? Because it can, like, I, I love, I love to be with people, but it can still be exhausting. It's funny. I never thought of it that way. N yeah. Right. But do you think it's because you were a child? Uh, part of me didn't like it. I mean, if it's your favorite cousins, you're like definitely into right, it. But right. you know, visiting people's home, you have to sit politely and like you right. can't get up and you can only take one chocolate because that's rude. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of rules. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. There was a lot of a lot of rules. So as a child, I don't know if we enjoyed it that that much. But it's almost like you just kind of went with what traditions are. Like if your parents say yeah. we're going to do this, you're going to go do this. We didn't ask a lot of questions. We didn't really say no. Um, and I mean, I don't remember, like, I don't know if it's done the same way, to be honest, till this day, because of a lot of things, because yeah. life has picked up a faster pace. Everybody works from the children. Yeah. I mean, when I, you know, from the children in high school or, you know, or high school years to the, to most people work nowadays. So it's kind of hard. It puts a toll on your body and your, your break time and your vacation days mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I don't know if it's done necessarily exactly the same way but there is still that spirit of visiting one another and being in the presence of one another and it's mm -hmm. one of the things that brought joy to the holidays i mean it wasn't a holiday until you saw all your cousins um until you ran around and tasted everybody's cookies and um so when it's culturally acceptable i think you don't really and plus it's a uh, distance isn't i mean now with closures and you know checkpoints and communities are separated from one another it probably isn't as easy to visit people i mean i was talking to a friend of mine and he said i went to palestine didn't get to visit your parents maybe because i don't want to go through the checkpoint because mm. my parents live behind the checkpoint one of the vicious checkpoints Colombia. nobody wants to go yeah. there nobody wants to waste two hours so they can spend 15 minutes with my parents or whoever it is so mm -hmm. this puts this put a toll and i'm sure it changed a lot of the dynamics of how we how we visit and be with one another during even good times. Absolutely. I mean, you have to remember, we, we didn't have Christmas carols to go to. We didn't have a right. place to attend for four weeks before Christmas. I mean, right. it's it's um, the joy of Christmas was really centered around going to whatever. Being together. Your, your family, yeah. yeah, being together. If your family has a lot more spirituality and religious and does the church activities or the scouts or all this stuff, this was, this was the holiday. This is the holiday for right. us, is to be with one another. When you went to your mom's mom's on January 6th, was that for Epiphany? Exactly. So they, um, a lot of the Palestinian, usually Epiphany in Arabic, um, it's uh, it's called Eid al-Ghtas, is the mm. feast of Epiphany. And Eid al-Ghtas comes from the Arabic word to mean to dunk. Mm. 
and oh. it's dunk. So it has a lot to do with uh, Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. So this is this marks a day of Epiphany, and you, it's usually celebrated in Palestine on January sixth, which is twelve days after. Mm-hmm the Christmas we celebrate on December 25th. And that's mm-hmm. a day we would go to my Tata's house, uh, my Armenian and Orthodox Tata, um, and celebrate Christmas Day. And usually um, that day uh, is specific. And a lot, a lot of families, a lot of churches will hold church activities um, at the Jordan River, or they would go mm-hmm. to the Jordan River to to visit or hold church services or something like that. Amazing. But, it, it is a beautiful side. And um, well, I think I, people listening might not understand uh, there's the significance of going to the Jordan River for Epiphany. Can you make that connection for them? But I do, I do want to say something that mm. the Jordan River um, is known as the border of the Holy Land, right? It's only right. because, which is a very, it's very important and vital because, which means right. that Jesus went all the way to the edges of the map to get baptized. So that, that was, I'm sure that was intentional, oh, that he chose okay. the, the Jordan River to be baptized. Now, ah. it's also important to let people know that the Jordan River is no longer what it was or it seems like it was mm-hmm. in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? In the Bible, it was a vast, or during Bible times, biblical time, Jesus was baptized. It was vast and it, it was an important stream of water. Mm-hmm. But now it has pretty much evaporated over the years due to many reasons, mm-hmm. climate, government um the israeli government it's been 2000 years like geography it's changes been 2000 yeah. years, but also <laughs> israel sucks the hell out of that jordan river mm. um literally drying it out mm. um so it, it's a little bit also political to be at the dead sea it's in the heart of jericho um and it's so beautiful i actually my children got baptized in the jordan river oh, um wow years ago and across the street, so we are on the Palestinian side, which technically belongs to the Israeli borders at this time. I mean, it's kind of patrolled by Israel. And on the other side, it's Jordan. And it's such a significant side because you're sitting on the side and literally about a mile away, it's Jordan and the Jordanian church. Okay. And you mm-hmm. can talk and scream and wave at people across from two different countries. Wow. Um, the Jordan River is tiny. I'm going to also, if Please remind me if I forget, Becky, I will send you pictures. Uh, from I the will Jordan remind from, you. Like, yes. Absolutely. Yes. When my kids were baptized. So a lot of churches um, uh, or some churches will do um, trips to the Jordan River at that time. But again, it's not as significant or vast or significantly important as a stream of water uh, now as it was probably during biblical times. For but many you know, reasons. yes, I, I under Yes, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, I have never, ever no one has ever brought that to my attention. Um, the significance that Jesus chose the Jordan River to be baptized in and that it symbolized, it sounds like what you're saying is it symbolized um, the going out and the gathering of so, in, to going to the absolutely. edges to bring people I, I in. Think, yes, and I this think is it, so was interesting. His, it, was, it was the marking or the beginnings of his ministry throughout mm-hmm. Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus' ministry throughout Palestine after his mm-hmm. baptism. So there's, I, I, um, again, it is, um, hmm. I mean, epiphany means, I think it means revelation, and it's probably, it means that God revealed his only son as a divine, as, you know, to the world. So, mm. well, it, it's it just is, interesting also because I've always heard that epiphany is when the Magi appeared um, to present their gifts. To Christ, yes. So this is in Palestine. I was talking to a priest about that yeah. actually, because you know it's the three kings, right? Is that what right. you're referring to? 
Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, we've, yeah, we've, three, we've traditionalized them as the three Kings, but that's not really in the biblical account. It just not. says the Magi. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So in, I mean, the, I don't know, I don't think it's the same um, as Epiphany um, that Jesus appeared um, to them, that the three wise men visiting in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't, it's, I don't think it has anything to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus being baptized in that Palestine. so interesting. Yes. Huh. Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River, which means Arab being super superstitious. We do definitely observe it that symbolizes the dunking of Jesus in the Jordan River. Therefore, we created this yeasted dough dessert that's called awame. Awame means floaters. Hmm. floaters which is pretty much like you know donut holes they're used to dough that you fry in oil and they float in the oil and then they float in the sugar syrup and that's a dessert that everyone you tell them about epiphany that's the only thing that comes to mind nobody knows anything else (laughs) (laughs) oh sometimes i I think jesus must (laughs) i just wonder what jesus (laughs) makes of all that I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty positive he did not eat the used to dough donuts. I'm pretty <laughs> positive that was cinnamon and sugar. <laughs> no, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to report that when you talk to people about epiphany, they think this is it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's I had to funny. pull some strings to understand what epiphany is. Actually, when I wrote an ar- article about awami, I'm very much a person that likes to know the reason why everything is made, right? And how me it's too. Made and for what reason? And when I did my research on Awami, I came to the point of epiphany. That's why I was excited to share it with you. That's so interesting. And the, you ate those when you went to your yes. Mother's, so Tata, mother's house. most Tatas yeah. and even Tata, you know, uh, who who's done celebrating Christmas, the day of epiphany is important, and she would also make Awami to resemble the dunking or the baptism of Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. I see. And May, would you have school off for all of these days or would you go back like in the new year and then you would just celebrate? Yeah, school. No, um, uh, schools are out through the Armenian holidays. So they are the Orthodox. So we would be out right before Christmas Eve. So like America, like the United, like my kids now, a few days right before Christmas, going all the way till right after the Orthodox Christmas that we would return. Oh, so all the way through the first week of January that you would be off. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So we would celebrate Orthodox Christmas, which is right after New Year's. And then we'd go back. In fact, Christians didn't take out their Christmas trees the first day in November or January or the first week in January. The most uh, Christian families, whether uh, Eastern or Western, they would wait for the Orthodox and the Armenian uh, Christmas to pass before they take out the Christmas trees. I see. I see. Well, it sounds wonderful. And you've brought a lot of joy to me sharing all of this. And I absolutely know for listeners also, again, I just think it's so special to get to hear about the celebrations of Christmas, you know, in the country that holds Bethlehem. How amazing is that? Isn't that, I mean, it's when we go back now, it just kind of, you know, to think of it that grand, like Jesus was born here. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's so significant. And I, I would love to go back during Christmas time again and, and take my children. I really hope that that happens for you sooner rather than later. I really, really just fervently, fervently hope that for you, you, May. That would oh, make Becky, me so thank happy. You, Habiti, thank you. Thank you for real. Yes. It's uh yeah, there's a lot of beautiful thing about, about Palestine and, mm. you know, despite the hardships, despite the occupation, mm-hmm. despite everything that's going on, um, we, we deserve 
joy. We deserve mm-hmm. peace, the peace of Christmas. People talk about the peace of Christmas, and this is exactly what we mean. We know what it means not to have a peace of Christmas. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. Well, your enthusiasm definitely spreads yeah. that joy for us. Yes. Absolutely. I, I don't take the word joy and peace for granted. I don't. No, you don't. Yeah. This is well said. This is well said. Well, thank you so much, May. I'm I'm so grateful to hear these memories. You really transported me, and I'm so excited to share them with listeners also. My goodness, Becky. Thank you for your time. You're so amazing. <laughs> you, you are. You are. We're going to meet in person one day. We will. We, will. we sure will. <laughs> okay. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find the recipe for May's Greba cookies and uh, all of the desserts shared by the Storied Recipe community, Christmas desserts shared by the Storied Recipe community. Links for those are in the show notes below. Thank you. Please keep listening to the episodes. We've got Alicante, Spain, Norway, South Africa, and France coming up. I hope you have a great week, my friends.